This episode includes conversations that discuss religious trauma and suicidal ideations. Please listen with discretion and care. Mental health resources can be found in the show notes. Please know you're never alone. Welcome back to episode two of For Your Consideration with me, your host, Amanda Green. Tonight, I am joined by one of my dearest, closest, best friends in the world. I can't even explain in words, but I am here with my friend, Emily, and she has a lot to share. We've talked a lot about this topic just in our day-to-day lives, and we feel like it's important and necessary and timely to discuss this topic. And so tonight we're going to be talking about church hurt. And if you're not, yes. <laughs> oh, turn it off. Now. Everybody take a deep breath. <laughs> Everybody breathe. It's going to be okay. We're going to get gonna through. Be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> but as two people who have experienced quite a bit of church hurt and healed from that and are still working on our healing, I think it's important to talk about this because first of all, no one really talks (laughs) about this. And secondly, I think there are a lot of people who have either experienced it or currently experiencing it or maybe will in the future. And maybe we can shed some light on what this looks like in this journey and this process and the healing. And so if you're not familiar Church hurt is basically (laughs) what it sounds like being hurt in the church. Um, The pain sometimes inflicted by religious institutions. And when we say church hurt and when we talk about the church tonight, that isn't a specific church. And we're not going to get into nitty gritty details. This certainly is not to rile up or hurt feelings or bring up emotions. This is just our experience and what the mainstream American church, what it looks like mm-hmm. has, um, how it's impacted us and that, you know, we've had a lot of wins in the church and we've had a lot of losses. So for us, it's when we talk about the church, it's not a specific church. We both have been in different churches. And, um, so it's, it's not to pinpoint a certain church and make them feel a certain type of way, but it's just our experience in modern day Christianity really more than anything. So without further ado, my sweet friend, Emily, I'm going to let her take it away. I would love Emily, if you would just sort of open us up and share sort of your experience and how you grew up and your viewpoint on the church and Christianity. Such a loaded question. (laughs) We don't have enough time, right? Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) Let's just dive right in. It's take a while. Um, Well, we were just talking before we got started, just kind of previewing and talking through what we were going to say. And um, the one thing that comes to mind first is how much I love the church. Mm. So I just want to start with that. Um, How much I've always loved the church. And I think that if you really love something, then you love it enough to to call out what's wrong with it, (laughs) that you love it enough to, you know what I'm saying? In love. And um, yeah, so so I just want to preface it with that, I guess I would say. Um, I grew up, like a lot of people, in a broken home. And so, um, and my my home was broken a lot, like way before it ever actually broke, if that makes sense. So even before my parents got divorced, 
there just was not a lot of stability, not a lot of peace. Um, and both of my parents would attest to that. So I can say that and, and it's fine. Um, but because of that, I, I ran to the church. I mean, the church was my safe place. It was the place where I really sought out comfort that I desperately needed. And so I grew up in the church. Um, absolutely loved it. I still do love the church. It just looks different for me now. Um, and I guess I want to say that because I think a lot of times when people talk about church hurt, I feel like they are maybe ridiculed or mocked as people who are just trying to like cause drama or people who are, you know, I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I feel like whenever I was trying to in the past, when I, whenever I was trying to have genuine conversations about things that needed to be changed and problems and issues that that were very evident and hurting people, it was almost like I was I don't I don't know how to say yes. it without like it was almost like I was like well, you better watch out for her because she's just trying to cause stir. drama. Yes, she's just yes. trying to stir stuff up. I'm like, no, that's genuinely not my intention. But I know people who are hurting that are really deeply yes. hurting that are coming to me and saying, Hey, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can be here anymore. I don't know if I can do mm-hmm. this anymore. This is, I don't know. And that's a problem. And yeah. if the church doesn't want to talk about that, I, what, I, I don't even know. <laughs> right. I don't <laughs> yes. even know what to say to that. So um, anyway, I don't even know where I was going with that, but <laughs> I, I wanted to start with that because of that. I, I just yeah. want to preface that because I feel like people, like you said at the beginning, we're really not, our intentions with this are not to cause drama. Yes. They are to, that we love the church enough to want it to change. Yes. And I think that's genuine love. So, um, so yeah, I grew up in the church. I started, well, I was super, super shy, but I somehow loved to sing. And so even from a really young age, like three and four years old, I would start making up songs. Like my dad tells a story about how I would go to the bathroom. <laughs> I would go to the bathroom when they had friend, anybody over. And because I was too shy to like talk to people, but I would go to the bathroom and start singing and like making up songs because oh, I, I wanted them to hear me I sing. Love that. <laughs> so cringy. Sweet. That was sweet. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, so yeah, I've always loved to sing. And then and always loved the church. And so those things kind of meshed. And then whenever I was, I want to say 17 years old, probably is the first time that I led worship. Something just happened when I opened my mouth and it was, it was, it was spiritual. I don't know how else to say it um, because I was very shy and there's no way that, that I could have done it on my own. And so, um, anyway, from the very first time that I somehow I got asked to sing and I said yes and I sang and then everything, not everything, but a lot of things are a blur from there. Um, I never stopped leading worship after that until about, what, a year and a half ago. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I... So what does that look like? I'm not asking you to give away your age, yeah. <laughs> but your time in ministry as a, a whole collective, how many years of your life would you say that is? Over 10 years. Yeah. That's a big chunk yeah. when you're not even 30. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. a third of your yeah. life has been given Absolutely. to and, ministry. And my dad was in ministry, so was always around it before that mm-hmm. too. So, um, so yeah. So I started leading worship. And again, that part's kind of a blur because I feel like, and I guess we'll get into that, <laughs> but it's like once 
I sang, I, I never stopped singing. And again, I'm really grateful for that because I, I adore, I loved it. And God met me in so many incredible ways in moments. And so not for one second do I regret that. Um, but I definitely, I definitely put other things to the side, a lot of other things, some things that I shouldn't have put to the side, um, to, to, I don't even, how do I say that? I think I was being taught unknowingly that I was doing it for my calling, mm. but the balance was not there. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that was, my heart really was that I wanted to do it for God. And, and that was my intention, but that's the problem I think in a lot of churches is that you, you get these people in your church that are willing to serve and are willing mm -hmm. to do things and are willing to, you know, go above and beyond. And then it's like, let's just, let's just push them. Let's see how far we yeah. can push them. Well, and I, that is so, so true. And I think now as a married person in ministry with a, a spouse, who's also in ministry with a child, I, I've noticed it more now that I'm grown, that yeah. there is this order and I hear it preached so much more. And I don't know if it's just the time we're in now and churches are waking up to that, but I've always heard, you know, God first, then family, then ministry. Right. I've heard that in my adult life. I didn't get taught that in my formative years when I was right. a single girl mm. at church. And I was raised the very same way you were. There was turmoil in my home. And I went to church alone for my teenage years. These mm. years that were so important, I took myself to church, a church that my parents didn't go to. Yeah. And I wasn't taught, you know, God first, then ministry, you know, because yeah. I didn't have a spouse, but it was just this, this is a term that we, I heard that was sort of beat into our heads that you have to be sold out. If you yeah. don't give everything, if you don't have this temperature of sacrifice, right. then God can't use you. Then you clearly, you know, you don't, take it as seriously as Jesus did. Jesus died for right. you. Exactly. Yeah. And so it was this warped version of what I should be doing for God. And like you said, it turned into, this is your calling. This is, I always wanted to be a pastor. I wanted yeah. to preach. I wanted to teach. And so, you know, I did my senior project on being a pastor. That yeah. was what I've always wanted to do. I've wanted to lead and pastor people. Yeah. And I felt like, I have to give everything. I have to be here every single time mm -hmm. the doors are open. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with prioritizing your ministry, but right, there's something absolutely. wrong when it's turned and it's weaponized. And if you miss a Sunday or if, you know, it, it turns into this terrible well, it's passive habit. aggressive. Very much so. It's very passive aggressive. Yes. And that's the problem. And that's why people are afraid to talk about it because they'll get they'll get pushback with, well, no, I always said, you know, have fun. Yes. Okay. But you life. said it with a tone. Live your life like, don't be at church. You know? Don't miss church. And I, right. I think that there is something to be said. Don't forsake the fellowship. I, I, right. I hear all that and I know all of that. But as a teenage girl, when I'm just trying to figure my stuff out, when I have family stuff, when I'm just trying to, you know, learn my life and manage friends and relationships yeah. and my life and being told that if I'm not there, if I'm not doing, if I'm not giving, if I'm not spending every second 
worshiping the church, right? Then and that's I'm not doing what I should do for God, and that yeah. turned into idolatry for me. I 100 yes. percent for me too. I worshipped the church and I worshipped the pastors and my yeah. leaders and their I, opinions. Of I you. missed God yeah. in that yeah. very much. So same, same for me, and that's. That's thank you for sharing that because that's very vulnerable to share yeah. and to say. And that's definitely where I've been is that, like I said, like my heart really was that I, I wanted to do it for God. But somewhere along the way, the and I'm not saying it's all the church's fault and not right. any my, yeah. of mine, but it is some of the church's responsibility to teach yes. this, you know. So that's why we're talking about it. Not that we don't have any responsibility, but um, somewhere along the way, the lines got blurred between what God wants versus what my pastor wants, mm-hmm. or versus what this person at the church wants, or versus, you know. And yeah. and it you, ex- you you nailed it. It became idolatry from out of good intentions. Yes, that's what was so painful. Was like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. How did I get here? Because I genuinely want to do this for you, God. But I feel like all these voices are pulling mm-hmm. at me, and that's that's what we don't need to be teaching in the church is that the pastor hears more or has more, Mm. you know, direct line to God. Like, well, I guess that's kind of a touchy subject because I'm not saying that, (laughs) well, you know, it's just, that's getting into theology and all of that. And I a hundred percent believe that God calls pastors to preach and all of that. But I don't think we need to be preaching that, that you like God tells you more than he tells anybody because else. Because then you're in a cult. You're not in a church. Right. Because it's like, <laughs> it's because it's the- like people like us where I'm like, I'm genuinely spending time praying, asking mm-hmm. God what he wants. And I feel like God's asking me to spend more time with my family because we're not in a good place. Yeah. And you're telling me that, no, that's not, you're not hearing from God. You're just feeling burnt out or whatever mm-hmm. the phrases are. Yeah. And as someone, and I'm going to get a little racy here, but everybody knows whatever, (laughs) like as someone who is now going through a divorce, like Mm -hmm. I can attest to the fact that other things fail because of that, you know, and, and I'm not, I am not blaming that on the church. So I I don't want to say that, but I'm just saying I've experienced that where I, I knew that things were not going well in my life, in my personal life. And I felt like I wasn't always supported in needing to take care of that. And again, yeah. that's not anybody else's responsibility, but if you're if you're a part of if you're a part of a church then you want to know that those people have your back. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? Like that Absolutely. that's as simple as that. You want to know that they genuinely have your back. And well, not that it, they just want what you do for them, but that they genuinely care about you. Yes. And And it should feel like a give and take, right? Right. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you, I'm sacrificing all of this for your church, something I believe in. And so in return, a a normal thought process would be that you would support me in the things that I need as well. Even if you don't understand. Yes. That's the key word. Even if you don't understand. Because how many times have I not understood why you would ask me to do what you, yes. <laughs> you know, like I can count so many times that a pastor or not just, let's not just call out pastors, but a pastor or, you know, a, another leader or even just a person in the church asked me to do something that I genuinely was like, I, I don't understand why I don't understand why, but I love and respect you. And as, as long as I don't feel like it's 
hurting someone, then I'll do it because you asked me to do it. But you can't do the same for me. And that, you know, I, I try to see both sides. And I think we both really have a good balance of this because we are people pleasers by nature. And so (laughs) I think a big part of this, I try to see from the pastor's point of view, and I try to see from the leader's point of view, and it has to be sort of addictive to have someone, and I don't use addictive in a, in a derogatory way, but it has to feel good to have, because you, you have leaders, you have followers, you have every kind of person in a church. And so when you have these people who are like, Hey, I am buying into what you're saying. I believe what you're saying. I'm on the same page as you. I'm with you. That has to feel good. And so when you have these people who are going above and beyond and serving and doing what the normal status quo people don't do, it does have to feel like you can pull on those people more. And that's Mm. leadership, right? You know, when you're a leader in a church, there is a different sort of responsibility. Right. But then there's a line that I think so often, and if not always, at some point, one way or another gets a little blurred because you either get too close and that line gets blurry or you get burnout because you're literally doing everything you can to do what you can for something you believe in. Or, you know, you're like, wait a second, I have to take a step back. I don't agree with what you're doing. And at some point, there's going to be friction. Yeah. And for me, in my perspective, that's never ended well. Yeah. And you can yeah. be well-intended and there's just that that part of it that we're all human too, you know. And, and I never... I don't want to bash and that is certainly not the goal here. And I hope that that's being conveyed that our hearts are really for the people who are trying to figure this kind of thing out. But there are people and leaders who take advantage of that and Mm. see teenage girls who are there every second of every day doing whatever they need to do. Mm -hmm. And that is appealing and that's okay. Let's pull on them. And, you know, Like you said, I made the choice to be that person. I will call on me, call me. I'll be there. I've got your back. But so it's, it's a fault on both ends. So I would like to get to the place in the church and we're just two people talking. We're not going to change America's church, but if we can see some sort of movement from the dependency, the codependency, you know, because it's not healthy for anybody and it's not glorifying God. And that's Mm. our whole goal here. Right. Yeah. Well, and let's just like call it for what it is because I am about, I, I do want to be a person that takes responsibility for my Ooh. weaknesses and flaws. And um, like the common denominator between you and I and a lot of other people is that not just that we came from broken homes, but that put something in us, this mm. need to be, to be accepted, so to good. belong, yep. to, to be encouraged, mm-hmm. to be loved on, you know, I, I know I desperately needed that yeah. and you needed I it still too. still do. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Let's, and just, so just be, but, but that's, and, and, and I also want to say that I don't think that, I think a lot of the manipulation that is happening or the, the, the power play that's happening isn't intentional even. Yeah. But that's even more reason that needs to be talked about. Absolutely. And that's again, what, where people get so, offended like oh she's just trying to cause drama or whatever well I feel like it's because they think well I'm not I'm not trying to be that way well 
you don't have to be trying to be a certain way to be making a mistake. I know that. I of all people know that. You know, like you don't have to intend to do wrong to do wrong. Mm. And that's, that's where it's hard, but that's, I feel like that nothing could display the gospel more than that Mm. is that, you know, even when you're not trying to do wrong, if you have done wrong, try to make it right or try to, you know, and so that's where, that's where we are. Or I feel like where the church needs to be is even if you're not someone who's intentionally taking advantage of other people, accept the fact that maybe you are taking advantage of them without meaning to. And what does that look like? How do I, how do I fix that? You know, Mm -hmm. it's the same with not to jump into a totally different topic, but it's the same with like your first episode was about racism in America. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the issue right now is it's not that people have bad intentions. It's not that they're intentionally being racist. It's that they're not meaning to be, but they still are. Right. But they're not willing to say, I still want to be part of the, I still want to be part of the solution, even Mm -hmm. if I'm not doing this on, on purpose, you know? Um, So I do, I do feel like, you know, a lot of the manipulate, I don't know if manipulation well, yeah, I think that is the yeah. right word. It, that's happening is not is not intentional, but it's still very present and a, and a problem. And people like us, young girls who like who really have the heart, the right heart, yeah. but we have issues. Like we, ca- <laughs> I mean, let's we do, you know, and they're Amen. and they get preyed on. Mm-hmm. I feel like absolutely because it's like here comes this girl who look at her like she really wants to do anything she wants yeah she really (laughs) just she wants to be a good person like she just (laughs) wants she wants to help she wants to do this let's let's use her as much as possible absolutely and then when you know the very first time that she isn't what we want her to be Mm. we don't you know, let's just, let's just, we'll find someone else. We'll find, exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. And that's the part where it gets really, really painful. And I I have walked through that. Yes. I have gotten my feelings straight up hurt by being that, like not even losing sight of what God wanted for me, losing sight of what I was supposed to be doing in ministry and life in general and being sold out and idolizing this person or these people and being what they needed from me. And then when I took a step or took a breath or had to back off for a second because I had to take care of me, someone else filled that spot right away. And that devastated me. I ha- I remember sitting on the second row of a church behind the pastors where I was told to sit and seeing someone physically literally take my spot. Yeah. And just sobbing mm. because I thought, "Wow, that's all I was to you." And I then later talked to a person who was in my shoes before I became that person. So it's this cycle. Yeah. And I do think that it's okay to say, you know, there are pastors, there are leaders that have egos and that mm-hmm. do prey upon that. I think that there are 100% people who don't mean to do that. And yeah. we've all taken advantage of someone in our lives, Yeah, you know, our spouse or yeah. a friend, we someone all, who's yeah. just there for us. We take advantage of that. We're all so naturally we selfish. We all so can do that. It's going to happen. But I feel like when you're in a position of power and when you're in a position of spiritual power and authority, you have to be so careful and you have to be so on watch to not be that person. Well, and it's not even it's not even a problem that it happens necessarily. It's a problem that then there, there's it. no apology yes. afterward. There's yes. no reconciliation. 
What a, what a big word. <laughs> I mean, really? No, but really, because I feel like they want to preach, you know, mm. that we should have reconciliation in our lives, but then there's no, there's no yeah. reconciliation for the hurt that has been caused. Mm-hmm. And again, so it's not that I'm not willing to forgive you for, for that. It's that it was never even addressed. Yeah. It was, at, you know, it's acted like it, it didn't happen, that I'm crazy, that, yes. you know, yes. which is. Well, in any sort of relationship, you know, with my husband, right. if I take advantage of him or if I hurt him, yeah. if I walk around with this, this idea and this mentality that I didn't hurt you, yeah. that's never going to be okay. Nothing ever is going to be resolved. And so as a person who has been called and been commissioned by yeah. God, yeah. if you're not extending that, if you're not self-aware, and this is so... I don't know. It sounds so imbecile, but you know, it sounds so juvenile and, but like, what would Jesus do? And I know that sounds so like, okay. WWJD. Honestly, what would you, would Jesus do? Remember the bracelets that we would get at camp? We're going to be sporting them now. But really, would Jesus do that? And I know that that sounds so base level, but I think No, but we need to get back to the basics. Absolutely. And that has been, that has been my journey right now I'll just say and because my life and you know more than the average person that listens to this is going to know but um my life spiritually for the last year and a half has been going back to the basics and mm-hmm. relearning things I thought I knew mm-hmm. and um so I don't think it's wrong to say oh this sounds so dumb this sounds so well no what we need We're we need to it. do that yeah. because if we if we elevate ourselves to a level where we are past like oh I I don't need to ask myself yeah. what, what Jesus would do I already know well do you do yeah. you know I mean on it like and I'm asking myself yes. that too do yeah. you really know and and some stories that have really resonated with me have been which it's it's a classic story but maybe somebody listening doesn't know and that's totally fine is the story of of the, the adulterous woman who mm-hmm. like Jesus says, okay, well, how about one of you throw a stone? Yeah. Like anybody in here who's never done anything wrong, you be the one to do. And, mm. and I'll, I'll like, and the story also of Hagar, which that's a long story to get into, but she is a person, the least likely of people mm-hmm. for God to notice, you know, if, if, I don't want to say for God to notice, but for the church to notice. Let's put yes, it that way. Yeah. For the church to notice. They would never pick her. Mm-hmm. They would never pick her to lead a small group. They would never <laughs> pick her. They wouldn't, you know. Yeah. She's someone who was willing to have another man's baby that, you know, like. Yes, yeah. And and God says, I'm the God who sees you. Like, mm-hmm. those stories are the stories that I feel like don't get talked about enough mm-hmm. because, they're uncomfortable. (laughs) They're really uncomfortable because nobody wants to be that person. Mm. I certainly don't want to be that person. No one, no one wants to end up in a place where they're the one that, that needs forgiveness, that Mm, needs mercy, that needs grace. And that's where we miss the point is that we see people as, yes, we all make mistakes and we should have punishment for our mistakes. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. And there is, but we're not the ones designated to give that punishment, mm. you know, and, yeah. and, and God is a God of mercy. And I, I feel like we have taken it upon ourselves as the church, or we think we have, that we have the right to 
That we, we should get to decide. Yeah, we should get to decide how someone gets judged or how someone gets punished or whatever for their whatever they've done. And half the time, we don't even know the full story. We just think we And do. half the time, we're just as guilty. Right. Doing our own thing that's just right. as bad. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's, you know, and another thing that I th- sort of just thought of, because I think that we put a lot on the pastor and the leaders and yeah. that is a lot of pressure that you know they did and they're, up they're for. only human yeah <laughs> right? yeah but they're only human but the yeah. the other part of this is your church community you know these people who you i don't want we heard this so much but these people who you do life with yeah. you know yeah. quote unquote, these people yeah. who are oh that just that just <laughs> that literally triggered, triggered me oh gosh i'm gonna have to really Really <laughs> hesitate with what I say next. We have a lot of trauma. Gosh. No, but you know, it's, you hear this, like, these are my people. This is my community. And they are, they very much are, but I have noticed. But is that one-sided? Yeah. And I've noticed when you, when you're in it and when you're doing it and when you're all doing the same thing and, you know, seeing each other every Sunday and things that's different. You know, you're doing life together. Yes. But what happens when it gets tough? What happens when you say, I, maybe this church isn't the place for me, you know, but that's not doing life together. That's (laughs) playing, that's playing church together, which is totally different. Mm. And I, so doing life together is, is actually genuinely being there for people when they're going through some crap, you know? Yes. (laughs) Like I'm trying to figure out, I'm really trying to be careful, but I feel like it's awkward to pause and think about what you're saying on a podcast because it's (laughs) like the people can't see your face. So it's like, I'm pausing to try and be careful about what I say. Um, Well, because I really don't, like you said, like I really, I don't have bitterness towards any particular person. I really don't. Yeah. And I can I can say that with with full honesty and authenticity and and I'm proud of that because I worked hard to mm. for that healing and I know you did too. And so um so I don't I'm just passionate about it because because I have been there and I know people who are either there now or have went through it but they didn't make it to the point that we're at. Yeah. And that's what scares me is that some people don't get to the point mm. where they want to go back in church or ever go to church at all. And and that's that sucks. Yeah. That's sad. And I don't want that, you know. Um, but doing life together, the reason that triggered me so much, <laughs> I'm just gonna go for it. Go for okay. it. Okay. Go for it. The reason it triggered me so much and I love to preface. I think I've said that word about 14 times in this, <laughs> but I want to preface this by saying that again, I take I am a flawed human who has made some really bad mistakes. Mm. Period. Um there's no way around that. I don't try to hide that. I feel like anyone who genuinely knows me, I hope can say she she definitely owns up to her Absolutely. her crap. Like that's Yeah. So yeah, so I I have made a lot of mistakes and I'm not when I say what I'm about to say next, I'm not saying that we should happily encourage people to sin mm. or happily, you know, advise people to, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like that, That's not what I'm saying. But there's a fine line that I feel like we, again, we talk about a lot of blurred lines. And I think that's another blurry line is doing life together means that when I fall flat on my face, 
if you genuinely love me, whether I did something wrong or not, that's so good. That you're going to be there to help me get back up. I don't want to cry. What sucks is that I feel like when I fell flat on my face, and I did hard, Mm -hmm. that all of the years that I invested in the church, all of the years that I didn't, not that I didn't make any mistakes, but I didn't make any huge public mistakes, all of those years meant absolutely nothing to anybody. Mm -hmm. And that hurts, you know, because... I've always had this. Oh, sorry. Don't be sorry. <sighs> Again, I'm not asking anyone to, to condone doing wrong, but to know whether or not someone did wrong, you first have to know their story. Mm-hmm. You first have to hear it from them and not from other people and not from making assumptions and not what you think you know or rumors or whatever. And that's that's where I feel like the church gets it wrong is that a lot of times – it's a bunch of gossips mm. who thrive off of drama. Mm. And I've been a part of that. So I, so that's a, that was a harsh statement to make, and I know that. So I'm not well, trying to— We've both been there. We've yeah, both like been I, the I, gossips I, that Right. I've been a part of that. So yeah. I'm not saying—I'm not throwing a dart. I'm just saying that that's an issue that we need to fix mm-hmm. as the church because nothing is, is more hurtful than that, mm. is, is feeling completely alone. And all of these people that you've served for so long, the minute that you do something that they don't like or don't agree with, and and again, not even really knowing the full story, just what they think you've done. Mm. That's what was most painful is that I feel like I can count on one hand the amount of people who even asked how I was. Mm when I left the church, when I left my church. And and I left because I knew that I was going through, I, I knew that I had, I had made mistakes. I knew that I was going through something that not a lot of, you know, I, that was hard to talk about and was really painful. And I didn't know what the next steps looked like. And I didn't know what the right thing to do next was. And I just wanted to be honest about that. And I felt mm-hmm. like, I, I don't want to lead people right now because I need to be led. I need mm, God gosh, to lead good. me. And I want to be honest about that. And I think I'm not praising myself, but I think that we do need to have leaders that say, I can't lead right now because I need to be led. Oh, and that needs to be okay. Mm. That needs to be okay because there's not a single person on this earth who doesn't sometimes need to take a seat and be led mm. instead of leading. And um, anyway, I feel like I'm getting off track, but I, I think that doing life together is not just showing up on Sunday and liking mm. each other's Instagram posts throughout the week. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, I don't know. It sounds, well, it sounds, you said it sounds dumb. It sounds dumb, but it's just genuinely being there for each other. Yeah. That's, and it's being that's in the it. trenches and it's not the pretty things. It's not the posts. It's not the mm-hmm. highlight reel. And like you said, you know, I, I got to see firsthand your experience of church hurt yeah. and it's hard because I think sometimes in church and especially when you're in ministry and when you're, you know, a vital role and you're a vital part of how the church functions yeah. when you're off or not off. I don't mean when you're off, but when you, well, that's, you can say that to be I, off yeah. when you yeah. need to take a step back it's like the wheels fall off yeah. and it's like no or one- when you're literally off when you <laughs> when you are when you do 
make a mistake or you and no one prepared for you to need a break you right. know no one prepared for you to be human and that's what we miss a lot that's is the pressure the humanness of it that's the pressure yes. and yes. that perfectionism killed me it killed me yeah. it destroyed my relationships mm -hmm. like it it was, and again, I, I have a lot of responsibility in that, but I was obsessed. I thought that I could only be loved if I was perfect. And mm. unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of the church proved that to be true. Yeah. It yeah. proved that to be true because they only liked the, the perfect polished version of me. And again, mm. I am not asking for you to condone. If you disagree with something I've said or done, that is perfectly fine. But I'll, I'll, I'll use you as an example because you're, well, you know how much I love you, but also you, you are, you're just a perfect example of this. When everything happened in my life and like things were falling apart and I didn't know up from down and I didn't know where to go. You and I have been friends for years, but we honestly weren't at that time. I mean, I would say we were close because I think we've always had a certain connection, yeah. but we weren't like hanging out regularly. Mm -hmm. We weren't going to the same church. Mm -hmm. um, but you literally, all you did was call me and say, Hey, can we get together? I just want to, I just want to see how you are. Mm -hmm. And you weren't like, you weren't being nosy. You weren't maybe on some level, you, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. There's always a hint of nosiness yeah. with me. But, but no, but, and I think that that is, and I, I would never claim to be an expert on church or God or really anything. But I do think that that's from what I have read about Jesus and know about Jesus. That's a perfect example. And I'm really oh, giving you a compliment. Because, you. Yes. <laughs> so tell me, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, that's a perfect example of Jesus. Because if you look at all the stories of Jesus interacting with people in the Bible, mm -hmm. what does he do? He asks about yeah. their story. Absolutely. He asks them. He even, and what's so ironic about that is that he already knows. Mm. And for us as humans, we don't know and we still can't get that right. Yeah. Like he already knew and he still took the time to ask the person, mm. hey, what's going on? What, yeah. what are, what, what are you here for? What do you need from me? What, you know, and and we don't take the time when people when people do anything that doesn't fit into our version of of them in our minds or makes us uncomfortable or makes us you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. then immediately we're like up oh, i'm going to stay away from that person because they might make me look like a bad person or they yeah. might make me look like a bad christian seen, yeah. or instead of meeting them where they are instead of just asking hey what's going on Genuinely and not out of, not out of, I want to know what's going on so I can go tell everybody else mm. at the church so we can all talk about you, but Hey, what's going on? Because I care about you and whether or not you are in the right or wrong or black or white mm -hmm. or whatever, I just want to know where you're at. I want to know where your heart is. And I want you to know that you're not alone. Even if you are in the wrong, you're still not alone Absolutely. because I still love you. Mm -hmm. And again, not condoning the actions, but loving the person. Mm. And I don't know. That's well, that's, that's, you know, so true because I feel like when we're in ministry and when we're in leadership, we become this cog in the machine. We become this part of it and you do lose the humanness of it. And it turns into 
I don't see you as a person anymore. I see you. And we've talked about this and we certainly won't get into this, the, the business of church, but it's that's also, another, episode. <laughs> that's another, <laughs> another time, another uh, couple hours. Yeah. But that sort of feeds into that, you know, you yeah. are just here to serve a purpose yeah. for Sunday and Wednesday and what I need you to do on yeah. this payroll. And when you're going through it, I, we can't do that, yeah. you know, and it's just, cut and dry. And there should be standards for leaders. There yeah. should be standards yeah, for pastors. And which is exactly fall, why I stepped down. Exactly. You know, so I'm not saying not, not to have standards, but right. But there, there's a way to go about it in love and there's a way back to how Jesus would have done it, you know? And I think that that's where it gets missed. And we're I think not we metaphor, yeah. <laughs> but I think we metaphorically, and I say we, cause mm-hmm. again, we've been part of it. I feel like we metaphorically throw stones Absolutely. a lot more than we offer help. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a problem. Well, it's easy to get on your high horse when you're not struggling. It's easy to yeah. feel like you've got it all together when yeah. you're, you don't have issues in your marriage. And or- that's, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say is like what breaks my heart. And I'm going to try really hard not to cry again, but when all of that happened and I was so shocked at how quickly mm. I was dropped from <laughs> from everyone's life it was like oh that sucks please don't talk to me because you'll make me look bad <laughs> yeah like obviously that wasn't said but it certainly was I felt it and I'm not saying that's right or wrong but that's what I felt and what across. what broke my heart is that I'm someone who has invested mm-hmm. a lot into the church for over 10 years now so if someone like me who has been in the church grew up in the church was in ministry for that many years, can get dropped that quickly. How many people are falling through the cracks that are hurting that really could have used someone to give them a hug, someone to just tell them, we've got you. You know, that literally stopped me in my tracks and is the reason why I still, I'm, I'm finding it hard to, well, I don't know. I'll just I'll just say it because whatever I'm being Here judged anyway. <laughs> um, I, I'm finding it hard to trust the church. Absolutely, because because I I can't believe that 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 happens to I don't I just I don't know no, I don't, I don't even have words. I'm literally speechless because <laughs> because again I, I'm not perfect, but I feel like I genuinely tried. Mm-hmm. I genuinely tr- gave it my all. Yeah. And the moment that I felt like I I couldn't give it my all is when I said I mean, I need to take I need to step down. I have to I have to. And again, I'm I'm not trying to talk myself up because that was really hard to do and embarrassing and like there was nothing fun about it. So I'm not saying like, yeah. oh, yay me. No, it was awkward and embarrassing. And yeah. But, but it was, I knew I had to do it because I had been, I had been in that place before where I knew I should have. And I, d- mm-hmm. I couldn't, I didn't have the bravery to do it yeah. because I felt like I would be judged. I felt like, and I was right. Mm-hmm. I would have been judged. I would have been outcasted. I would, because that's exactly what happened, you know, and I don't know. I feel like I'm going to ruffle. I feel bad now. I feel like I'm going to see this is so people pleasing. I feel like I'm going to ruffle. And I, I will say there are people who, who did care. And I, mm-hmm. I have met really 
amazing people in, in all the churches I've been a part this of. This is your experience. So I'm not, this is not, I'm not putting everyone under the same umbrella. I'm just saying that again, for someone who was, who was that involved to feel that alone, can you imagine how alone people that are coming into your church feel that aren't very involved. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I I wanted to go back to that. I'm glad you circled back to that because I have been in churches where there have been literal campaigns to get Mm. people in. So are you a drug addict? We want you. Are you, you know, like these sorts of things that people are saying, like, (laughs) we want the drug addicts. We want the prostitutes. These things are taboo to say. And, but it's like, we want you come here. You're safe here. This is, this is a place for sinners. But when someone on your leadership team is struggling with something, I'm not saying keep them up and let them still minister to people, but I'm saying you cannot shun them and you cannot act like that. They're not accepted again without even knowing, without knowing what they've done. Yeah. But you want everyone off the street, which you should, which Jesus did, but you, you're just, it's so confusing and it's so conflicting because we're taught this is what we should do. And this is how accepting we should be. And this is how we should love people. And this is how we should take care and support people. And we do want, you know, and I, I don't say that lightly and, you know, I'm not making fun of any way of life, yeah. but when, when you say bring, we bring us your problems, but you have but we're no not equipped way to help people to with handle the, your yeah. problems and help you yeah. solve your problems. You're creating a mess yeah. and you're creating hurt people that are already hurt, but you're damaging them worse yeah. because you are not equipped to help these people in any way. And yeah. you're hurting the people that you've already got that you claim you love, yeah. you know? And so that yeah, I, I mean, I, I <laughs> no, uh, that's you're exactly right. That's how do we equip each other to genuinely help people? Mm-hmm. That's that's the question we should be asking. Mm-hmm. Not how do we equip people to pay more tithes, or how mm-hmm. do we equip people to serve on our teams, or how do we equip? You know, how do we uh, how do we help people, and how do we equip where other people at, to help people? No matter where they're at, what they're yeah. doing, what they look like. How do we serve people? And it's not how much coffee can we make on a Sunday morning, how many pamphlets we can pass out. How do we meet people where they're at and serve them well? Yeah. And how do we how do we establish genuine relationships Mm -hmm. as Jesus would do with I mean, he again, who's a better example than Jesus? Mm -hmm. His disciples, who by the way, were some (laughs) <laughs> pretty issue filled people like a bunch of us's like yeah i mean one of them ended up betraying him we know that story mm-hmm. one of them denied him you know they all actually they all did something like yes, you know absolutely. so but these are the people that he invested in the most these are the people that he was closest to and how do we build these relationships and friendships that are that are deep and that are real and that don't fall apart and crumble at at the at the rumor of something maybe <laughs> potentially first happening. sign of trouble that may not even be but trouble. that's not a real relationship. Absolutely. You know? Right. And yes. I, I literally went from, and this is just my story, so, but from one week texting certain people and them, you know, wanting to hang out and whatever, and we're, we're friends, to being followed, <laughs> like, 
because they thought I was doing something. And like, it's like they didn't even, it's like they forgot that you're a person uh, and you're their friend. Well, no, no. It's like they forgot that, yeah, that, that who I was at all. And, and that means that our entire relationship was just nothing, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah. that's hard. So anyway well you can no no you can take that out i I, i'm not again i i do want to be very clear that like i and i feel like this is said but i i really pray that this comes across not just in this podcast but just in my general life and how i interact with people but like i'm not bitter towards any person or mm -hmm. anybody like there's not any specific person that i feel that towards this is just an like a part of the story though that i feel like is important because it's not any specific issue for one person it's a it's an overarching issue mm -hmm. that's happening across the board of the church so when I tell that story, I don't want like someone to hear that and be like, oh, she's talking about me. Well, but I'm not really talking about you. I'm talking about a general issue that's happening, that which is that we don't have real genuine relationships with each other. We have, I don't, what would you even call it? We have a currency, which is that Ooh, if I do something for you, then maybe you'll do something back for me. But if I don't, then... We, we don't have a, we don't have a business relationship anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're cutting the contract. We're, we're done here. Well, yeah. and you know, I was thinking as we were talking about church hurt and, you know, I was just sort of mulling over. I, I can think of one specific instance and it's hard to bring this up and it's hard to talk about these specific scenarios because there are real people attached to them. And yeah. as we yeah. have addressed, we are the type of people, I don't ever want to hurt anyone, but it is important to share your experience because I just have to believe that if there's someone listening to this, that's like, oh my gosh, I've been there, you know, but I see you finding yourself in Christ and I see you finding your relationship with God. So there is hope. And that's the whole point of all of this. Yeah. But I do remember leaving a church when I was a teenager and I, I moved away and, you know, it was time to move away. And there was a lot of emotion with that. I was yeah. very close to a lot of people in the church and a lot of people that were leaders in my life. And I was silly and a teenager and thought that I could go back and it be home. And, you know, mm. I, I moved out of the city that this church was in. <clears throat> and so I wasn't able to go as frequently as I wanted. And so I went back because I missed them. That was yeah. my family. These are my formative years. Yeah. And I remember going back and I sat in the back because there were some, some tensions when I left, but I just missed it. You know, it was yeah. home and I'll never forget the pastor called me up in front of the church and had everyone in the church come and pray for me because God told him I had backslidden. Mm. And if you don't know that evangelical term, <laughs> that mm. is basically like you have done You're wrong. You're being called out. You have done wrong in the eyes of God and you need to fix it. And I was mortified, heartbroken. Sure and I are. sobbed and all these people are up here praying for me. And, you know, a lot of the way that I was raised in the type of church I was raised in, it was very emotional. You saw a lot of emotions yeah. when you saw spiritual things happening. And so... Yeah. I just started sobbing and weeping because I was so, first of all, embarrassed. I'm yeah. by myself. I'm still a teenager. Yeah. I've given my life to you, but I've left. Yeah. I've come back 
because I missed you and you're, you're hurting me. Yeah. And I, everyone came up there and they were praying for me and I was just sobbing. And so they took that as confirmation that, that the pastor was right. And that clearly I had done something wrong. This is my guilt. And you know, I can relate to this. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not guilty. You've hurt me. I mean, this was the deepest betrayal and I had felt a lot of betrayal in my yeah. childhood and life, but I was just so, if I could have ran out of there, I would have, you mm. know, and I was traumatized by that. And, you know, and that like, is manipulation because yes. it was in, it was under the guise of we're, we're praying for you. For you. We, we love, love you. you, which we is, know you've do done you know what that does to the human anyone, brain, anyone, like, but and like someone who said, has pure intentions is going to go home with that and think, Oh my gosh, I'm a yes. horrible person. What yes. have I done? How can I fix this? When you never even meant to do anything in the first place. Because I missed you guys. And you know what the sad part about that is? I remember crying for days and days and days and driving home thinking, I should have never even come back. And as someone who is a, a leader in a church and in ministry, now the thought of someone walking away from an experience in church with me and thinking, I should have never went, yeah. is heartbreaking still. And yeah. so... Like you said, how many other people have felt this way? How many other? That's and what really. That's what really broke my heart yeah. because, because, thankfully, I, I'm so grateful that I, I already had that foundation of a relationship with God. So, yes. So I, I did have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Was it? Was it hard? Yes. Was it scary? Yes. Is it still? Yes. And I even told you before this, I feel like I'm in a place where I have more questions than answers. And mm-hmm. I'll just be real about that. But but if I didn't have that. The foundation. I don't know. I don't know what it would have done to me. Mm-hmm. And that that's what breaks my heart. Because I still, like, it's been hard enough for me as someone who who, who does believe and has, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like we have all these people who come to our church who, that like, we want to reach unbelievers, we say. Mm-hmm. But that's a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. And if we don't take that, I don't know. If we don't take that seriously, I feel like we're really missing the point. Yeah. And as someone who is a believer who ended up, you know, now I'm not in church currently, well, I mean, I don't have a home church um, yet. I feel like, again, how hard is it for someone who who didn't, didn't grow up in the foundation. church, who didn't have that foundation? Right. One situation, like you and I have how many stories? Mm. So many. But like only just one of our story, like only one of those things happening to someone like that, that's it. They're yeah. They're out. You know, and they're not going to, and they, it, they may never give it another chance. Well, and that's the problem. And we talked about this. The problem is we're representatives of Christ. Yeah. And so when people see the church, the American church, they think that that's God and they think that that's Christ. And as I was humans, just about to say, we make ourselves Christ. Yeah. And we have worked instead that. of Instead of representing Christ, yes. we somehow make ourselves We're Christ. We're the church. Myself so, included. Yes, I've been there too. Absolutely. I've been there too. And I think as like we all mm-hmm. are, have been there. So, but how, how do we recognize when we're getting to that point mm-hmm. and how do we stop ourselves from, from being that way. And I think it comes from having relationships like you and I have. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that 
we're both, neither of us, I feel like we keep on saying this because we really want people to understand <laughs> that we're messed up, okay? Like, we don't think we're, we're human. So I'm not saying we're, I'm not saying that, but I am proud of the friendship that we have mm-hmm. and the relationship that we have because I feel like that's what it takes to, I don't know, like, I need you. And, you yeah. ne- you know, like, we need each other because sometimes I won't be able to recognize mm-hmm. when I'm getting to that mm-hmm. point where I'm making myself cry so I'm not meaning to. And you can say to me, hey, you know, because you because we've yeah. been there together mm-hmm. and we've been at, in the lows together. And it takes that in order to do that. And I feel like we're not establishing those kinds of relationships in the church. Mm-hmm. And I was a part of that. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it because, you know, when I do hopefully find whatever church I'm going to be a part of next, I want to be a part of the solution for this. Mm. I really don't want to just keep playing this game Absolutely. of fake, fake friends and fake mm-hmm. a whole fake life. Yeah. That's what I feel like a lot of people, I can't speak for other people. So I'm not saying everyone feels that way, but I know a lot of people who do mm-hmm. and who aren't saying it, you know, oh, yeah. they, they don't feel like they can say it. Absolutely. And I don't know. That's not, I don't think that's what God intended for the church no, to be. Again, not I'm not an expert, but from well, what I gather, I don't think that's. <laughs> well, and we've made it this huge, and I mean this as respectfully as possible, but we've made it this monstrosity and this, we've created this monster of the church. It's a, that it looks is a, nothing like Christ yeah. that looks nothing like God that has not one ounce of love. Yeah. And I'm not speaking for every church because I am very thankful that the church I'm in does have those qualities and, yeah. you know, and, and I, and the church that I, my most recent church, they did too. Yes, absolutely. And, and so, I, and, and it's I, it's not all and, bad. Yeah. We're not just that. Church no, I'm, I'm very grateful for the people there and for yeah. the, like that my time there was, I loved that church yes. and I still do, but that doesn't mean there aren't, that doesn't mean these issues don't need to be talked. Oh about, no, so. absolutely. And that doesn't mean that they can't pop up. And that's why it's important to have people on every level. That's why it's important to have pastors that are aware and are self-aware. That's why it's important to have leaders in the church who are self-aware. That's why it's important to have congregation members who want to make connections and want to be real. And you know, you do, (laughs) I don't want to trigger us again, but that Mm -hmm. whole like doing life thing, but no, but like really doing life and like saying like, I'm really struggling. Like life isn't what 2020 isn't what we thought it was going to be. So we're all in, in a certain level of mania. I feel like, but how, how do we meet people there? When people, when people come to us and say, Hey, I'm really struggling. What are the next steps? How do we genuinely, like we said, how do we genuinely help people? So what are the next steps? And I'm, again, I'm asking myself, I'm asking, you know, I, I'm, Asking that anyone who calls themselves a Christian to ask the, this mm-hmm. of themselves. How do we do this? And I think what I've been learning is the difference between shame and conviction. Mm. I think that's a big part of it. Um, or maybe not conviction may not be the right word. Shame and I don't know. I'm not sure what the, the other word would be. But like, I feel like when people come to us and they say that they're struggling, it's immediately, whether we intend to or not, it's met with shame. Mm-hmm. And that's projected onto the person. And I don't think God's ever about shame. He's absolutely about conviction. Absolutely. But again, yeah. that's God, also God's job to convict. Mm-hmm. So not that we shouldn't 
be honest with people and call people out in love, but like, how, how are we doing that? And we need to be able to adjust that and be honest and say, okay, am I, am I really coming across as a loving person or am I coming across as that I think I'm better than you, you know? And again, you're, you are the perfect example because it's not that you agree. Like when you, when you met with me in my darkest and lowest place, it's not that you were there to say, you go for whatever you want, girl, you Mm -hmm. do it. You make the, you know, it's not that you did that. It's that you, number one, you listen. And number two, you said, I literally remember you telling me, I'm not saying, I'm not telling you what to do. And I'm not saying that this is right or this is wrong or go this way or go that way. But I am telling you that no matter where you end up, you're my friend and I'm going to love you. And that's, that doesn't, that doesn't say to me, I can do whatever I want. And I can, Mm -hmm. it says to me, you know, it it says to me that I have a person who genuinely cares about me. Mm -hmm. And that actually encourages me more to try and do my best and try and make the right decision. And again, not that I haven't made any mistakes, but like, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that that's, that's what we're missing is the, how do we get a how how do we take the person from where they are into whatever is next and really walk with them through it mm-hmm. while also still helping them grow and teaching them and again all things that I'm advocating for yeah. and I'm never going to advocate for divorce I'm never going to advocate for you know making mistakes I mean who does that right. but but at the same time I think you don't have to advocate for it. It's just part of being human. Mm-hmm. Making mistakes is just part of being human. And I'm not, again, not, not, you know, condoning that or whatever, but that is an issue that I really, really struggled with is that perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say disease that I feel like the church perpetuated in Absolutely. a lot of ways because there's just, again, that's the blurry line. Yes, I should always try to be like Christ. Yes, I should always try to be the best person I can be. Yes, I should always try to do the right thing and, you know, all of those things. But there are going to be times where I don't work, get it right. Yeah. And I did not have an understanding of that, and that set me up for failure. Mm. Again, a lot of it's my responsibility, but— A lot of it is the church's responsibility, not just for me, but for everybody who walks through the doors, that we need to teach this, that we need to set people up for not if they fail, but when they fail, Mm -hmm. because it's going to happen. Because we're human. So Exactly. How do we move past it when we fail? What do we do next? And I think that just like really, I just got really passionate because I do think that was a big part of the problem is that I had in my mind that it wasn't when I fail, it was only, it was only an if. So if I could just always, if I could always just try harder and, Mm -hmm. and keep going and do the right thing, then, then it was going to be fine. But the reality is it it, it was never an if it was a win. It was a win. And I wasn't prepared for the win Mm -hmm. I failed part. And so I really, I, I'm, got it wrong. Well, <laughs> because was I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. experience for you. And yeah. no one or very few people said, hey, it's all right. It's, this is not the end of the world, you yeah. know? And so I think as 
Christians and as Christ followers, it's our duty. It's our above everything else. If you don't read anything in the Bible, the one thing we have to do is love people, you know, and that doesn't look like loving them when they are perfect. And it doesn't look like loving them when they do what you want them to do. Yeah. It's loving them regardless. That's the opposite of the gospel. Yeah, The gospel is unconditional love. And that's something I didn't have a good understanding of. And a lot of us don't. And that's another thing that we've talked about before that was really humbling is that when I went through all this and when I stepped down from the church, after having spent over 10 years in ministry, I realized that I didn't even have a real understanding of unconditional love. I did, I really didn't understand that God loves me. How, yeah. how silly and sad does that sound? And that was so embarrassing because I had preached it to other people and I had believed it fully for other people. But the moment that I needed God's love the most, I found myself questioning questioning everything does God because that's what I saw in front of me because our God for so many years was the church or our pastor yeah and the people in the and church and their opinion their, love us unconditionally. their opinion was my God mm-hmm. and that's that's bad and I I really found myself in some really low moments mm-hmm. just asking questions that I never thought I would ask and Again, I'm not saying everything is their fault, but it, it we like you said, we have to take it seriously that we represent Christ. If mm-hmm. you want to call yourself a Christian, you represent Christ. And so what are you representing to other people? Mm-hmm. Not that you shouldn't say, hey, I don't think this is the right decision. I don't know if I agree with this. That those are all that's all perfectly okay. But it's the way you do it. Shunning people, yeah, outcasting absolutely. people, tossing them aside as soon as they is not the answer. Mm-hmm. And that that perpetuates the this idea of questioning, does God love me? Does, mm-hmm. Am I someone because for me, you know, obviously I've already said it a million times, but the, what I've been going through, the way that people responded and have has honestly made me question is my life even like, is it worth it? Mm. If, if I'm not a part, if I'm, if I'm a divorced woman, am I still worthy of being alive, of having a purpose of people loving me of, can I, can I ever go to church again? Can I ever, you know, and that is, I, I, I can't even express the weight of those questions. Yeah. And we we know God's love and, you know, your mind will tell you things. But think of, like you said earlier, and you've talked about so well, the people who haven't really truly ever experienced God's love or God's presence, they are so much less likely to get back to that. They can't get back to somewhere they've that. never been. Exactly. And, and that's what's scary. This are we taking job. them there or are we taking them to an emotional high that's going to that's going to leave them as soon as they they leave the building. And thankfully that's what that's what has really held me up in times where I was my lowest is that I know no matter how many horrible mistakes I've made or how many whatever 
I had real encounters with God mm-hmm. that no one can ever take. Those from me. are the things that sustain you. Absolutely, that is what I because that's yeah. that's what yeah that, exactly they sustain me because I know that those were real. I know that those will stay with me for a lifetime, and and beyond. And I know that you know that's if I didn't have that, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what would have happened yeah. to me. I don't, I'm not trying to be dramatic, although I am a dramatic person. I'm, really, <laughs> no, I'm trying to work on that. That's but the truth. I and don't know what would have happened because not to get into another subject, but like suicide rates are higher than ever. That's something, you know. In the church. But, <laughs> and we talk about it and we share, myself included, we share posts on Instagram like, oh, mental health. But, but how do we actually become part of the solution? Mm-hmm. And I think it all comes back to this. Yeah. These are the, the issues that the church should be being should be being a part of fixing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, if I wouldn't have had those, I don't know. I don't know what, what I would have done. And that scares me for a lot of people who may not have had those moments. So like we said, they have nothing to go back to. So what's going to happen to them? And I feel like this conversations like this are so important because this is really, and not that we're so great or have it all together, but we've been on the other side of this. And so this is really a call to action to anyone in a church or part of a, a body of believers that we've got to do better. Every yeah. single one of us, we have to be there for each other, highs, lows, wins, losses. Yeah. And you know, this is a call to action to leadership and pastors. And And I sound bold, but I'm emboldened by the thought that people are getting hurt and people are being damaged and teenage girls like us are going through this because they think that they're a part of something so great. And for a lot of reasons, and they people are. are. People are literally committing suicide because in they, the church, it's not real. And I'm not saying that's not going to happen, you know, so, but how many pastors have you personally seen in the last few years that have committed suicide? Yeah. I've, I know of at least four or five. Yeah big mega church pastors that have killed themselves or walked away from the ministry. And or- I cannot explain to you what that does Oh, yeah. to my, like mm-hmm. to my heart. And I know it's just something that we can't ignore. Right. It's something that we can't ignore. Yeah. And, and I think if you're on the other side of it also, you know, as someone maybe who has been hurt in the church, it's, it's not our place, but I want to, I can't speak on behalf of the church, but I'm so sorry. I genuinely, like, I hope that we've conveyed our hearts and I hope that you hear how sorry we are that you've been through that. And And I've been a part of that. Yeah. If, if we have contributed to that and we probably have at some point, I am so sorry, you know, and what we want is for us to be better, for the church to be better, because this isn't God's best. This isn't what God intended, you know, and it's these real relationships, these real conversations, these real connections. And, and if you've been hurt, I, I want to really encourage you to try it again, you know, reach out to somebody, reach out to us, you know, let us be a resource and find something for you and help you get back to that place. Because even if you're not ready to get back into a church and you're probably not, and you may not ever be, I, I, my prayer is that you are, and you find the right place for you. But 
the most important thing is getting back to God. And the most important thing is knowing how much he loves you. And that sounds so cliche, no, but that it's your life genuinely has value. the truth. Yeah. And so this is your call to action. Give it another shot. You know, mm-hmm. it's not too late. If you feel like you've lost it, if you were in the church, if you were a leader, if you were, if you just went to church regularly and, you know, you got hurt, you know, it's, it's not too late. It's never too late. I, I truly believe every single person has a, a, a gift that God has given them to give the world. And it's yeah. important that we all know what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That sounded like a good closing. Yeah. <laughs> well, in closing. A call to action. A call to action. Is there, I mean, I sort of just did that in my little soapbox, but is there anything you want to leave people with and, you know, something that I feel like all that we've said is important, not to toot our own horns, but (laughs) something that has really been heavy on our hearts. But is there anything that your hope and your prayer that people take away from this, if they don't take away anything else from our ramblings, what do you hope that they get from us sharing our stories of church hurt? That your life has value. Mm. No matter where you've been, no matter where you come from, no matter where you're probably going to go at some point, <laughs> um, that your life has value and that God's love is not supposed to make sense. And I think we try to make sense of it because that's just what we do. Yeah. But it's not, it's, you know, the Bible says God's ways are higher than our ways and his mm. thoughts higher than ours, but we don't. We don't really fully even understand that verse, you know, yeah. we, we don't, but the, the reality is that we're never going to be able to comprehend God's love for us. And so, I don't know, I guess I just want people to have that, to hear that, because I think that maybe I'm just a positive poly, but I I like to think, I do like to believe that that. Because the Bible tells us that we're all made in His image. It also tells us that the heart is deceitful above all. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's both in us. Mm-hmm. And it's both are true. And so I think that's what determines the course of our life is, you know, which way we go with the deceitful heart or with God's love is based on our interactions with God's people. Mm-hmm. A lot of, It has a lot to do with that. And so... Um, if you have never heard it before by someone who claims to believe in God, then I want you to hear it here that, that God loves you and that, and that you have value. Your value is not dependent on what you do Mm -hmm. or what you've done or what you're going to do. It's dependent on just you, you being you and you being alive. And that's enough to, to want to, Go from there. Yes. <laughs> Stick it out. Yeah. Yeah. Try again, like you said. Yeah. So well, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. <laughs> I don't want to get sappy on you, but mm. I really Please do. <laughs> I'm always the one getting sappy. I'm uh, truly so thankful that you shared your heart with us. And I know this hasn't been easy. And I know the road you've been on has been a, a bumpy one mm. as of late, <laughs> but I I do feel like this is you living out your calling and, you know, ministry looks like a lot of different things, but I'm so grateful that you took your time to sit down with me and share with everyone listening, you know, what you've been through in a real raw situation. Real raw. <laughs> real raw. <laughs> oh gosh. But you are so special and I know so mm-hmm. many people love you and your 
your story and the people who haven't got to hear it, I'm glad that this is your narrative and I'm glad Mm. that you have a voice and not that you needed me to give you a voice, (laughs) but I'm glad that you were able to share your side of things because everyone deserves to be heard. And so I'm just grateful and I'm so proud of you. Oh <laughs> I don't want to get Thank emotional, I'm gonna cry. but I'm very proud of you because I've seen you at really dark times, but you know, you're a fighter. And so you well, are, if it weren't special. for you, I, <laughs> oh, no, please. no, really. I'm not just saying that I, I want people to see also this, this part of us, because I feel like that is important and people, everybody needs an Amanda in their life. Everyone and needs an Emily. No, very no, no. Emily. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I, I, I mean this so deeply. If, if you would not have been Christ for me in moments that I hmm. really, really needed him, I, I don't know where I'd be. So thank you. you are, you are the church and <laughs> you have you. been the church in my life. Well, I appreciate that. And that is the goal. And I love you so much. That's the goal. (laughs) I just, well, we are going to quit annoying you all. Otherwise, we'll just sit here and talk about how much we love each other. (laughs) You don't want to hear our love fest. I'm sorry (laughs) if you've had to turn your volume down because of our shrill heckling and laughing. The laugh. (laughs) My infamous laughter. I know. I should have like backed up from the mic but <laughs> if you stuck it out with us this long thank you yes, thank <laughs> we you. love you so much i'm i'm so grateful for everyone listening i'm of course grateful for emily and i'm grateful to have this platform and this this version of ministry and sharing voices and until next time we'll keep on trucking along and loving each other <laughs>